2018. Happy birthday yesterday to you, Jim Chechesko, and welcome to Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my birthday boy partner, Jim Chechesko. And Chet, it's Eagles-Cowboys week. The Flyers had a great, much-needed road trip. The Sixers won a couple this week, then got blown out by the Nets. And speaking of blowouts, the Nittany Lions went to the big house and got their doors blown off. Oh, did I mention we're going to talk Phillies, too, tonight? <laughs> hey, thanks for the birthday wishes, first of all, Bill. And, yeah, we're going to try to cover all of that that you mentioned, other than the Penn State game. I'm hoping we can just avoid that one because that was darn ugly. Hopefully they burned the tape. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, hey, let's talk Eagles. Let's get this thing going as we start the second half of the season. The Birds are 4-4, four and four, but they're just a game behind the Redskins as they got, speaking of blowouts, they got blown out by the Falcons last week. But just one game ahead of those Dallas Cowboys who are coming to town this week. Bill, the Eagles didn't play last weekend, but they had a great week nonetheless. They signed Golden Tate. They had the weekend off, giving time to some of their injured players to get healthier. We may finally see Darren Sproles on the field Sunday. Tim Jernigan is even back practicing. And then two of their division rivals, the Redskins and Cowboys, went out and lost winnable games, giving the Birds division title prospects a nice lift. So, yeah, that was a pretty great bye week for the Eagles. Yeah, and, you know, we'll see how this plays out. But the word is that Lane Johnson is going to be possibly be back as well this week. And if he's healthy, that is a big plus. Yeah, that's what Doug Peterson uh, said today, that he's expecting Lane Johnson to play, which is really surprising, you know, given the nature of the injury. Uh, so hopefully he can play and do well. Hopefully Jason Peters can stay on the field for a whole game. And I don't know what we're going to get from Darren Sproles, but uh, – Coach Peterson says Sproles will be playing, so he'll be a fourth running back. He'll probably, you know, return some kicks and hopefully give the team a lift on the offense. Well, and I would think he's certainly going to return kicks. Uh, you know, they had to release DeAndre Carter as part of this shakeup to get Sproles back. Carter's been returning punts and kicks and making a few people nervous why he was back there, but the youngster did pretty good overall. Uh, but for Sproles, you know, he hasn't played since week one. We're officially here, I guess, at week 10 because of the bye week. Uh, he's had a long time to rest that hamstring, and he should certainly be ready to go to second half here. Yeah, really curious to see what he has left in the tank. He's 35 now. This is you know, almost certainly his final year. He said last year was going to be, then he got hurt early. He came back this year, and now he's hurt again. But hopefully he'll be there for the final eight games of the season because if he's anything close to the old Darren Sproles, you know, that, that, that's going to be a big help to this team. Absolutely. Well, hey, what, what do you expect? And now, you know, you mentioned Golden Tate. Uh, how, how do you see these guys lining up? They got weapons everywhere now. You know, the running backs are probably still in question a little bit. But from the pass standpoint, receiving standpoint, they have weapons everywhere. Yeah, they do, and we kind of talk, talked about this a little bit last week. Golden Tate, while a very good receiver and very productive, is kind of the same guy that Nelson Aguilar is, a little you know, more experienced, a little more talented probably, but he, those two guys, and Jordan Matthews, are all primarily slot guys, so it's going to be interesting to see how they do divvy up the playing time. You know, they're both going to have to, or all three are going to have to be able to move outside occasionally, and the good news is I think this is going to be a big help for Alshon Jeffrey because, you know, they have so many weapons that Jeffrey's going to be able to get open more often now. So, as you said, a lot of weapons, and it's going to be fun to see what uh, Doug and Carson are able to do with them. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I'm interested to see is what's going to happen over on that defensive side of the ball. Jalen Mills and Sidney Jones are both banged up. Uh, not sure what the latest is on them, whether they're going to be able to go or not, but they're missing some practices. Yeah, I haven't heard anything new about uh, Jalen. I don't know if he's ready to go or not. Um, same with Sidney Jones. So the secondary is a concern all the time anyway for me. Uh, hopefully those guys, at least one of them, will be able to go. And, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, the good news is 
the rest of the D has stayed relatively healthy lately, and I don't think Jernigan is going to be ready to play this week, certainly, but it'll be great to get him back in a week or two because uh, he was a good contributor for part of last season. He kind of trailed off near the end, but uh, if they can get a healthy Tim Jernigan, Tim Jernigan, that would be nice. Absolutely. And the other thing, I, I'm anxious to see how it all plays out. Jason Peters, full participation in practice now. Uh, he looks like he's healthy, you know, looked like with that bicep injury, he was going to be out long-term. Uh, if he's back, you know, I, and maybe, you know, we, I always say this is a marathon, not a sprint this NFL season. And maybe the Eagles were uh, playing dumb a little bit and just trying to get to the second half in a good position. And they are just one game behind the Redskins. And, you know, if you could be healthy through the, through the second half of the season and going into the playoffs, that's certainly where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I like the Birds' chances right now because I think what we saw from Washington on uh, Sunday, they're not all that great a team. I mean, Atlanta handled them reasonably easily. Um, we know Dallas is a fraud now, so I'm not going to take them easily <laughs> or lightly, but, you know, the Cowboys aren't going to beat them. Come on, a little tip to our predictions. The Cowboys aren't going to give the Eagles a game this Sunday night. I'm just telling you right now. So, yeah, I like the Eagles' chances right now. You've got to win these division games, and let's start at Sunday night. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Dallas coming to town. Dallas week is always a fun week. It's not, not quite as much fun. Well, it kind of is when they stink because yeah. you get to make fun of them. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they come into town uh, after losing last week as well. Yeah, yeah. Um... Boy, they got some disarray there, too. I, I didn't hear it, but I heard that uh, even former quarterback Troy Aikman said some nasty things about the organization. I missed that, but, God, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, no, I, I didn't hear it either, uh, but that is interesting. Hey, he's yeah. a pretty loyal guy. But, but you know, Aikman does a pretty good job calling the games, and he's, he's pretty fair as things go. And uh, if he sees it, he probably called it. I, I wouldn't doubt that. They They are in disarray. I just don't want them to get so bad that they fire Jason Garrett. He needs to. He doesn't need to beat us, but he needs to stick around. They need to keep being eight and eight, and as long as he's there, don't keep being eight and eight, and keep him there. Yeah, we do want to keep him around. Uh, you know, I don't feel sorry for the Cowboys organization. I kind of like the fact that they're kind of you know just muddling through everything, and uh, I'm happy if they're going to be you know seven and nine or eight and eight for the next ten years. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, I'm I'm kind of interested too to see, uh, you know, go back to Carson Wentz and he's doing some really good things this year, and kind of under the radar. We talked about this some last week. Thirteen touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, almost a one ten quarterback rating, which is phenomenal. And it just seems like he's just maybe last year, the other years were so much hype that he seems under the radar to me and. Uh, He's going out there, and, and after getting really banged around in the first, you know, once he got back from his injury, um, he's played really, really well. He really has, and his numbers are off the charts. Uh, you know, he could creep into the MVP discussion again this year. You never know. His numbers are that good, and if the Eagles get on a little winning streak and, you know, get to 10-6 and six or 11-5, and five, you never know, um, he'd have a shot. Um, I mean, Drew Brees looking pretty darn good, too. Uh, we'll talk about the Saints another time, but, boy, is he good. Um, yeah, Carson Wentz just continues to impress people with his character and with his development on the field. And now that he's got Golden Tate and hopefully you know, Darren Sproles will stay healthy, uh, he can, again, show the same kind of stuff he did last year with putting up the production, putting up the points, because that's the one thing. We do want to see the Birds score more points because they're not – getting into the end zone as often as they did last year. They're not as efficient in the red zone as they were last year. So those are a couple of things I want to see them improve on in the final eight weeks. Well, it's funny you mentioned Drew Brees because the next thing I was going to throw at you is, you know, if the NFL wants to sell its product, they sure did it last week with the Rams and Saints and the Packers and the Patriots. Man, what what good football that was. And well, three Hall of Fame quarterbacks and one young guy that's pretty darn good, too. Uh, the NFL showed pretty well last week, even without the Super Bowl champions. Well, they did that. But you know what? I was a little ticked at the NBC ad uh, regarding the, you know, the greatest of all time thing where they had Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady mentioned in the same breath. 
uh, with the Michael Jordan tease about the greatest of all time, you know, match him up one-on-one, that kind of thing. Um, look, Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. He's won a Super Bowl, but he's no Tom Brady, so don't even put those guys in the same breath. <laughs> well, how, where are you putting Drew Brees in that mix? Let's talk about that three for just about ten oh, seconds. Man. Yeah, uh, Drew Brees is one of the greatest of all time. I think sometimes he's underrated. He's he's a top ten for me, and uh, certainly a Hall of Famer. Um, he's won a Super Bowl. He's been great for a long, long, long time. I love Drew Brees. Yeah, I, I don't know how you can argue with him, and I, I think he just keeps moving up the ladder. You know, the more the more you watch him, the Saints are really good again. And he's the reason for it. You know, he had a couple down years. And, again, he kind of went under the radar as they they weren't Super Bowl contenders. Still a good team, not Super Bowl contenders. He's got them back on top, and he is playing lights out. Yeah, and like Tom Brady, he just doesn't seem to age. Not yet, anyway. And, uh, boy, I wish he'd age real quickly over the next couple of weeks before the Eagles have to go down to New Orleans. Well, that that was the other thing, you know, is you watch the game, uh, the Saints game and the, against the Rams, and you think, you know what, we got both these teams on the road yet. Uh, they're going to have to win one of them. They're certainly going to have to win one of them, I think, along with winning, uh, you know, most, if not all, of their NFC East games. Got to win all five of those division games that remain, that's for sure. Hey, we have a few minutes left before we get to our guest. And by the way, our guest is Chris Wheeler to talk Phillies baseball and free agency. So uh, he should be joining us in about three or four minutes. But before we do that, Bill, do you have a favorite Eagles-Cowboys memory? We've probably talked about this in years past, but do you have a particular favorite memory? Uh, I I have a couple Uh, right off the bat. You know, that historic game way back in the 60s, with Timmy Brown running back to two kickoffs was actually I was actually at that game with my dad. Uh probably I don't know, eight years old. I think it was nineteen sixty six. About eight years old I was at that game and I think that is the game probably even though I watched football even as a younger uh, kid with my dad, uh, that was the game I remember the most and that's the one that turned me into the sports knucklehead that I am today. Yeah, that's a good one. And, of course, the 80 championship game, the NFC championship. And we talked about this before, but mine is that game at the link in 2006. I think you were there. I witnessed it. Um, T.O. making his return to town as a cowboy. The Eagles pretty much shut him down. But then uh, they made a game of it. It was 31-24 birds. The Cowboys were driving for a potential tying score in the final half minute. And then this happened. Joe Buck with the call. Here it comes. Come on. Second and goal. Bledsoe into the end zone, and he's picked off. Back the other way. Lido Shepard all alone. The Philadelphia Eagles take it over Dallas. The interception for Shepard and a 102-yard return to ice this game. I was there, you were there, I think, and boy, I had never heard that place louder. That was incredible, and I was really hoping to have Lito on the show this week. I tried, we couldn't make it happen, but maybe down the road we will get Lito to come on with us, because that's one of my favorite memories from this great rivalry. Oh, absolutely, and you can hear that chant going on in the background of your clip there, and it certainly does uh, does nothing for having been there live. Still, to this day, the loudest uh, I've ever been to an Eagles game. No doubt. I've been to louder games in Beaver Stadium, but not a louder game than that uh, for the Eagles, that's for sure. Yep. Uh, well, listen, I'm going to try to get a hold of wheels, so uh, just just talk amongst yourselves, Bill. I'm going to try to dial that number here. <laughs> well, I'm glad <laughs> you're here, Jet. I could sing happy birthday to you while we're waiting. Hey, would you? Would you? No, I'd rather not. Yeah, if, okay. I, if, it was on our, uh, if it was on our audio clip, I would play it for you, though. How's that? I like it. I'm going to try to get wheels and talk a little baseball because uh, we're ready for the Eagles and Cowboys game, but we're also ready for some Phillies free agency, hopefully some big news in the next few days or weeks. All right. Do we we have wheels? Let's find out. Ask them. See. Hey, is that you, wheels? It is me. It is I. It is me. (laughs) It is I. Whatever. All (laughs) right. Wait. Chris, always good to have you with us. Uh, this is Bill. Chet's here. Chet's celebrating a birthday here yesterday, Will, so we got to <laughs> wish him a happy birthday along the way. But welcome back. 
Thank, thank you, Bill, and a happy birthday, Chet. Thanks, Wheels. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of baseball with you, of course, Wheels, but before we do that, I have to mention it. I have to go here. Have you recovered yet from what happened to our Penn State Nittany Lions last weekend out in Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew they were going to – I figured they were going to lose, and, you know, when they were keeping it, when they were keeping it close uh, through three quarters, I thought, well, at least it won't be a – you know, it won't be a massacre the way that Harbaugh wants it to be. And then, of course, it it turned a little ugly. But don't worry. There's other years coming. They'll be all right. They'll beat them again. All right. That's enough Penn State talk. Uh, let's talk Phils. <laughs> Chris, I, I looked it up, and the last time you were here, it was July 12th. The Phils were 52-40. and 40. They were in first place. By early August, they were 63-48, and 48, 15 games over 500. We know what happened after that, 80-82, and 82, the final record. As one of the Philly sports writers wrote last week, I think it was Scott Lauber, uh, he said, never has a 14-win improvement from the previous season seemed more uninspiring. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll yeah, sum it up. Why, old... why did they go in the tank? Why so deep and why so fast those final eight weeks? Yeah, it's the old how uh, how'd you get there. So then when you yeah. look at the numbers and realize how you got there. It's not, well, the number one thing that I thought happened was the, the thing that kept them above water all year, and we, we probably talked about this during the summer, was their rotation. They had yep. a solid rotation all year that was taking them deep into games, uh, which is unusual nowadays, of course. The, uh, basically the same five guys were out there. And then the bullpen uh, was set up for late in the games. It was, for the most part, picking up saves or getting the job done out of the pen. So as a result, they're winning all these one-run games with terrible defense and not a very good offense. So once the starting pitching started to falter later in the season, starting in August and then obviously in September, that was the that was the beginning of the end because all of a sudden uh, they were giving up the, uh, you know, the, pit, the starting pitching was giving up too much, and the offense certainly couldn't overcome it. And the close games they were in, their lack of defense became magnified, in my opinion, and they would lose those kind of games. Hey, Wills, as you look at, at that and you look at the whole picture, big picture of the season, uh, what do you take away, though? I mean, if you're Gabe Kapler, if you're the Phillies, first of all, are you happy with the job Gabe Kapler did? And secondly, um, can you put this off to the fact that we have a lot of young players and made a lot of mistakes and those kind of things are going to happen? Well, here's the thing, and we've talked about this before, Chet and I, and I told him, you know, I'm always happy to do shows and talk about it, but I don't have any insight anymore. You know, I'm not down there. I don't know this guy. For for many, many years when you would, you know, talk to me, obviously I knew the manager really, really well because we were together all the time. I do pregame shows with him. I knew what made him tick inside and out. I knew what players he liked and who he didn't. Uh, Kapler, to me, from what I hear from people, is exactly what you see is what you get. He's a very, very positive guy who believes in a lot of sugar. He doesn't believe in a lot of vinegar like some guys did. He believes in just constantly pumping guys up, telling them that they're good, um, even when they struggle uh, to to, uh, to try and, uh, and make them feel better that way. Now, does he – does he jump them in, in private? I don't know. Uh, I hope so. I hope every once in a while he will because the stuff that he comes out with publicly in this area is kind of tough for uh, fans to take because, you know, we're a little bit of hardcore here. But <laughs> I, from what I understand about him, he's just a decent – he's a really decent guy who really cares about his players and tries to get them to play better by being good to them and also by not ripping them in the media. Now, is he tough on them behind closed doors? I can't tell you that. All right. Wheels, Aaron Nola proved he's the real deal. But pretty much every guy behind him in the rotation is a question mark going forward, in my mind anyway. Uh, that includes Jake Arietta. I'm starting to wonder if Jake's even a good number three guy now. What's your take on Arietta? Well, let's put it this way. There's probably a reason why the Cubs didn't re-sign him, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, you can't hide in this game, uh, especially with all the analytics nowadays. Uh, you know, it's just so obvious when somebody is starting to go the other other way. Not only do you see it with your eyes, but the numbers show it. So uh, I think the Phillies, I think the Phillies took a chance with him because uh, the rotation was so young going into the season. This guy was sitting out there in spring training. Uh, you thought when well, you're looking at Nolan's spring training, thought, boy, he looks pretty good. But you, you know, he's been hurt so much. Uh, not so much, but he'd been hurt. 
and you don't know how durable he's going to be. Uh, you know, we did not know he was going to have the kind of year that he had, obviously. But um, I think Arietta at that time seemed like a good signing. Now, uh, he's short. Uh, he was a heavy sinker ball pitcher. He, he reminds me a little bit about like Doc, uh, like Roy Halladay. Um, Halladay had better stuff probably overall when he was really, really good, although Arietta <laughs> – pretty close to the kind of the way the movement on the ball, but they both relied on the ball sinking and moving all over the place and then using their other pitches and guys didn't square them up much. But when you watched him last year and I watched him a lot on TV, they were squaring him up because the ball, instead of it maybe running real hard in or running real hard down or away or those kind of things. So left-handed hitter, that ball started to run right over the middle of the plate and his velocity was probably rough. What, 92, 91, 92, 93? Oh, man, you, you do that to major league hitters and they will get you. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably what it was. Uh, more than anything, I think that he started to go the other way. Now, can he figure it out without, um, without all the movement and the velocity that he had before? Well, he didn't last year. Mm-hmm. Well, Wheels, you mentioned analytics, and that is like my most miserable subject in the whole baseball world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, being, being an old being an old fan uh, and an old coach, um, analytics is driving me absolutely crazy as a fan watching the game. How, how do you feel about it, and do you feel like it takes away from the game? To me, the, the, the final three innings of a baseball game is misery. Well, here's the thing, uh, and, and I'll give you my opinions on it all, but why why you have to do it, why you have to be involved in it. The teams that are winning, the teams that are winning championships, the teams that are getting better and better are very, very heavily involved in this stuff. They prove it works. Now, how, how deep do you go into it? What's your, what's your, um, what's your commitment to it? Uh, how do you use it? All those things. That's all, all conjecture. That's all, all up for people's opinions and also for how the clubs want to do it. But if you don't get involved in this sort of stuff, you're being left behind. Totally agree. You know that we're a little bit of the old school. I, I did a thing. Uh, Larry Bowen and I did a, uh, a class today for a guy named Billy Warndell, who was a, a longtime uh, sports guy in Philadelphia. Oh, he had yeah. a class out. Uh, he, he does. It's really interesting. He does this class for adults thing out at the uh, Maculata University in Malvern. So anyway, Bo and I went there today, and we're, we're the guests, and we had a great time answering questions. And it was dominated by this subject, which is unfortunate. And, and it's always paraphrased with it or ended with kind of like, well, I don't enjoy the game the way that I used to. And that just kills me because I can understand that. And I love the game so much still. And I don't think these things are helping the game. Uh, uh, to get six innings out of a starting pitcher and then to try and get uh, – three innings out of uh, your bullpen where they strike out seven of the nine guys and nothing happens. Well, you win the game that way, but it still hurts the game because there's no action. There's nothing going on. Uh, do you, do you move guys all over the place? Do you hit them all over the order? Uh, the new idea of, uh, of uh, a strikeout is just an out, which is baloney. You don't bunt anymore because that's an out and you're giving up an out by bunting. You certainly don't hit and run and do those kind of things that we all love and grew up watching. So I don't see how analytics are making our game a better game for the spectator. I totally understand how it's making a better game for the people who are managing the game uh, from upstairs and on the field to try and win those games. So it's kind of a catch-22. Are the games better to watch? No. But if you don't do this stuff and don't use them, uh, you will be left behind. Boy, well said, Wheels. Yeah, we've heard a lot of that a lot of that from our listeners, we get feedback on our shows, and you know, a lot of people do complain about that. The game's just not what it used to be, not as much fun to watch, and I can't disagree, that's for sure. All right, free agency, free agency. Uh, we're hearing Bryce Harper, we're hearing Manny Machado a lot. I know you're not the GM wheels, but if you were, do you go all in, do you try to get Harper and Machado, do you just focus on one of them? If so, what do you say, Mr. Wheels? You should also have said I'm not John Middleton. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What are you doing here? Where it comes from. Well, I think you have to explore the options there. Um, neither one of these guys have proven to be winners. Uh, uh, you know, Machado got – Machado's an unbelievable player, obviously. He's in the prime of his career. He's at, what, 25 years old or whatever he is. Yeah. Uh, he did some things in, in, the, uh, in the postseason that some people didn't like. 
he also kind of indicated that, well, I don't have to run the ball out. Well, that's not a great idea to come to Philadelphia like that. <laughs> but do you not do you not bring him here um, for those things? I can't answer that. Bryce Harper, unbelievable player, National League player, a guy that we've seen over and over. But what have they won with him? You know, he's another one of those guys that's been the been the centerpiece of the Washington Nationals for the last few years. And where do they? They're always at home watching the playoffs and World Series, or they get eliminated in the first round. So I, I don't see where either one of them are going to make your team a, a champion team. Can they help you? Can, are they a big guy in the middle of your order where you can start to fill in in other areas? Sure. Could you sign one of them and really have a chance to make yourself better? But you better fill in around them with other, other everyday players and a rotation, bullpen, and defense because baseball is not one guy. We're not the NBA or college basketball where you get one or two guys and you take off and all of a sudden you win all these games and you go to, go to the playoffs and maybe even win championships with one or two players in that sport. You don't do that in Major League Baseball, in my opinion. Would I like to have either one of them? Sure. Both of them, well, that's, uh, you know, I, look, you got to understand, you got to be careful when you get locked into these. I saw what did Harper turned down, some contract that I saw 10 years at $30 million a year or something from yep, Washington. $300 million, that's, yep. Yeah, and yeah, that's one guy. Uh, and, you know, we got locked into some stuff there at the end when, when uh, the Phillies really um, waited too long. We've talked about this a million times. So I still think even though they have more money to spend right now and are willing to do it, you better be careful you don't get locked into those kind of things because there's no guarantee the guy stays healthy. It, it's just, baseball's like that. You can have an injury. You can get hit by a pitch. You, you know, in baseball, it's not like if you break your hand, you know, you put a cast on it and go out and club people in a football game. You can't play for months at a time if you break, the, if you break bones and those kind of things. So uh, I would be very, very careful before getting locked into that stuff unless you knew that you were able to uh, – to fill in around those kind of guys and have a championship-type team. Well, Wheels, one of the guys that uh, seems to be on the hot seat with the Phillies is that Odubel Herrera. And, uh, you know, I kind of – I really liked him uh, because I felt like he was one of the true 300 hitters this team had. Um, That didn't work out too well in the second half of the season. He looked like a completely different guy. And I guess my my – question i've said this to chet before is you know it almost looks like the philosophy whether it goes back to analytics or what the philosophy of waiting deep in the count took the bat out of his hands and he struggled mightily as the season went on and just kept striking out and just kept not hitting the ball well um is there a recovery for this guy or is he a guy that needs to find a new uh new scenery you think boy that's a crystal ball a question there, Bill. Uh, he um, he is one of the most frustrating players I've ever seen. He when he's hot, oh my goodness! But then he goes. He doesn't see. He doesn't take an O for three when he gets cold with a walk. He takes O for four, O for four, O for four with strikeouts. And then when he's hot, he fouls off six, seven pitches and puts a ball in play and hits it hard somewhere. So what is he? Uh, that, that's something that they're going to have to make a decision on. They have him under contract at a very, very, very reasonable rate for a few more years. So it's not like you have to move him or you're looking at arbitration with him or you're looking at a free agency year, something coming up. They have, they have um, a situation with him where they can maintain and keep him, but do they want to? Uh, I think defensively, you know, he was a, a second baseman that we made into an outfielder. And I think, beginning of his career he was quicker now he was a little heavy last year he was heavy coming into spring training I don't know that he ever really got into the shape that he needed to get into uh, and he was not able to cover ground in the outfield the way that he got he's one of those guys that you worry about if you trade him he might become a batting champion but you also if you keep him around he might be a drag on you the way that he has become at this point so that's another one of those huge decisions that they're going to have to make and uh, boy am I glad I don't have to do that Speaking of decisions, uh, we know Reese Hoskins should be playing first base, but Carlos Santana is there. Now, do you think the Phils will and should they pursue a trade of Carlos Santana, which would allow Reese to move back to first base? How do you see this playing out, and what happens with Mikel Franco at third base? Well, they may be done. They maybe have had enough of Franco too. But there's another one of those guys you worry about when you move him. He becomes a great player. Because he shows it in spurts too, the way that last year, you know, he got it going yep. pretty good, and then he got hurt there at the end of the year when he when he 
he made a heck of a play, flipped over and hurt himself and hurt his shoulder evidently when he flipped over catching that uh, foul ball uh, what, with three weeks left in the season. Yeah. But uh, Reese Hoskins has to play first base eventually. That, that That's probably – look, that's the best way to maximize his offense because he's not going to have to worry about in the outfield. He's not a good outfielder. He's not horrible, but he's certainly uh, – you know, he's one of those guys that he's got to hit a ton, and you better have a lot of defense around him to be able to make up for uh, for what he's not what he's not capable of doing in the outfield. Santana, I don't know. He he did exactly what he was supposed to do last year. You know, bat, people look at the batting. Well, they don't care about batting average anymore. They you know they look at on base, they look at walks, they look at RBIs, home runs, those kind of things. That's at all this analytics stuff. And he basically played up to the same levels that he had played up to offensively where he had been before with the Indians, especially, except he, his average was a little bit lower. Well, batting average, as I said, batting average nowadays, they don't care about batting average. Uh, they don't care if guys make outs. It depends on how they make outs, if they have hard contact. That guy had a lot of hard contact last. You know, people get mad because they say, well, he's hitting it hard in a bad light. Well, some of the guys just do, and that guy did. He, I watched a lot of games last year. He hit it hard. I know a lot of bad luck last year. So he is basically, he gave them what they expected from him. Uh, and he was, I don't think he was as good a first baseman as they advertised. He was okay. He wasn't great or anything. Um, can he play third base? I didn't see enough of him this year. I saw a few games, but I'm watching on TV, and that's not the way I watch a game to learn how a guy plays. I love to watch a guy, how they get ready, what, what their first step is, all those kind of things that happen before the ball gets there, as opposed to on TV, you know, when the ball's hitting and all of a sudden you see something. Well, you know, what was his first move? You know, does he have a good first step? Does he do this? Does he do that? So I don't know that you could go into a season with as bad a defensive team as the Phillies were last year with him as your third baseman. So, you know, they have two more years with pretty big number of whether he'd be about, whether he'd be attractive to anybody with a number that he has or whether you have to give him away. That's another one of those ones they're going to have to look at. Hey, Will, speaking of Reese Hoskins, uh, explain to us how, and this is another one of my, my favorite subjects, explain <laughs> to us how the guy that you build the lineup around who's got a chance to be a superstar bats in the two-hole. I asked Wheels well, about this the, in uh, July when you were at the airport, Bill, because yeah. <laughs> I knew you wanted me to. So. Yeah, go ahead. Go that's ahead, Wheels. Well, that's, that's, that's the analytics thing about it. You know, this just stuff doesn't just get pulled out of a hat. It happens. <laughs> it you know, had they to. have all They have all the – I know. I know. Hey, when we, we looked at lineups, we used to say your best, your best hitter hit third. Um, right. And your, and, your, and your next guy, uh, you know, I mean, your big-time thumper, hit four or five, you know, somewhere in that order. That your best hitter would hit three. So now, look, Harper hit two a lot for the, for the Nationals. You see a lot of guys like that hitting two. Well, I can't tell you why. I can't tell you what the analytics show. Uh, it has something to do with they get up, they get to the plate more when they're hitting second than if they're hitting third or fourth. Uh, they get up and the, they, they, I, here's another thing they tell you. If it hits fourth, maybe he doesn't hit in the first inning. But he always hits in the first inning. And then they give you that thing, well, if he's hitting ninth, uh, you know, the leadoff hitter, well, he's only the leadoff hitter once. Well, that's true. He only leads off the game one time. So they have all these answers for the questions that old baseball people ask. Uh, And we're doing a little bit of that right now. Hey, Wheels, another uh, crystal ball question. What's going to happen with J.P. Crawford? I mean, he was the, the shortstop of the future. We thought he was going to be the guy this year. He got hurt. When he was healthy, he was just kind of so-so. What's J.P. Crawford's future now? Well, Chad, I think what you just said in there is part of what you were saying is, is the number one thing with him. He got hurt. He's always hurt. He just seems like he's one of those guys that you can't keep him on the field. Uh, you know, you can't keep him on the field, then then how do you find out what you have or what you don't have? So, Like Roman uh, Quinn. What did I see? What, yes. Great, great Same point. Thing. Like Roman Quinn. Um, Crawford, from what I could see from him a little bit, that, you know, when he when he plays in spurts, he, he's a pretty good infielder. He's a pretty good defensive infielder. Second, I mean, a shortstop or a third baseman. Uh, tremendous holes offensively, um, especially against left-handed pitching walks a lot so you know here we go analytics they love that they love these guys that walk a lot and i always like guys that walk too but as long as they did some other things along with it so 
you know, he's he's kind of a strange player. He's kind of a strange player to watch right now. And, uh, uh, you know, what he's going to be in the future, he was supposed to be right now going into 2019, a guy that has been in the big leagues a little bit and gotten to the point where you say, okay, we got something. It's like Kingery. We can talk about Kingery because I still really like him. But uh, he, that's the problem that we have right now is with certain guys. And then you got into the season last year where all of a sudden the, the division was more wide open or wild card was more wild, wide open. And all of a sudden they decided to bring in these older players, and which was understandable if you were trying to pull out, pull it off and get the postseason. And they obviously made the decision to try and do that. But then that started to take at-bats away from these younger guys. And instead of the guys getting the, the, the 500 and 550 at-bats they had, they got less than that. So now you really don't know what you have going into, going into next season. And I would think that's a problem for them going forward right now. I agree. Wills, one final question I have for you. The, um, you know, the chapter of the, the 2008 Phillies is pretty much coming to a close now with Chase Utley retiring. Cole Hamels, of course, still playing and a couple others. But as we look into the future, any of those guys Hall of Famers? And, and how many would you put, say, in the Phillies Wall of Fame? Well, they're all Wall of Famers, those guys that you just mentioned. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, at some point, all, every one of those guys, Cole and and Jimmy and Chase and, and Ryan Howard, those are all Wall of Famers, along with Carlos Ruiz. Uh, you know, I don't want to leave guys out, but we could start talking about more of them maybe. But those five guys jump right out at, as uh, no-brainers. None of them are baseball Hall of Famers. The closest to them was Jimmy in my opinion, because Chase, Chase had a chance to be a Hall of Fame player if he had had all those injuries because he would have retired with more home runs than any second baseman in history. He was on that to crush those numbers, and, uh, you know, it didn't happen because of the injuries. Jimmy, Jimmy Rollins' numbers are unbelievable when you, when you look at him against a Larkin and Ozzie Smith and those kind of guys, but I think he needed one more year of really big numbers, and he wasn't able to do it. So I think Jimmy will be a guy that will come up short but of all of them, to me, he's the guy that should uh, probably came closest to have a, a Hall of Fame career with our club. Fantastic. Well, Wheels, as always, great stuff. We enjoy having you, and uh, there's nothing like talking baseball in November to me. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Chad. I enjoyed it, and uh, I agree. And I, uh, I consider it an honor and a privilege that you still want to call me and talk baseball because. I'm just like you guys just now. I'm a fan that has a little bit of a clue, maybe. Uh, but I don't know anything. I don't have any insight for you anymore. I'm not around it. I'm retired. Love having you uh, on always, the wheels. Always enjoy talking to you. Okay, guys. Keep in touch anytime. Yep. All Take righty. Care. See you. And, Bill, it's always great talking to Wheels. It's also always great to visit the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. You know they have daily dinner specials and happy hour deals. They also have a free buffet Friday nights at 11 p.m., which is pretty awesome. And they have 24 beers on tap all the time, too. I like that. They've got some cool events coming up also. Trivia games every Wednesday evening at 830. A DJ on Friday nights plus that free buffet. They have live music on Saturday nights. This weekend, it's the band Let It Ride, and our pal Robbie says they are really good. Let It Ride. Oh, and next Tuesday, the 13th, they have a holiday shopping event right there in the Station House Banquet Room. Check the website for details, irishroverstationhouse.com, or heck, just go visit them, the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne. All right, hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, Pennsylvania. Yes, sir, Bill, it is true. One of the best benefits of having an Allstate Insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who's dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs, someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what's most important to you and your family. Click on the Allstate banner on our Philly Press Box Radio website or just call Dave directly. The number is 610-430-0700. It's Dave Lavoie at Allstate Insurance in Westchester, 610-430-0700. Is it time for our man Fred? What do you think? It is. Oh, it must be. All right. 
right, it's fantasy football time with our resident expert, Fred Hugo. Fred, welcome back. What's up, guys? Delco week, or uh, Delco Dallas week, boys. That's right. (laughs) Every week's Delco (laughs) week, Fred. (laughs) All right. Hey, uh, Fred, let's go ahead. Tell us uh, again, the, the... Chet and I were talking a little bit earlier about the quarterback show, but it got put on last week by a handful of those Hall of Famers. It was something special. How does that play into your fantasy football world? What, is this the show? The, the, uh, Bree, what do you call about Bree? What do you mean? Breeze, Brady, Rogers. Uh, 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 all of them, all of them. It was, gotcha, a, it gotcha, was a quarterback gotcha. clinic last weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was nice to watch. It was good football. Especially Breeze. <laughs> he had like 40-some fantasy points. But, yeah, it was a great week. A lot of waiver uh, wire uh, pickups. Um, you know, great. With, with Rogers, he has some – he don't really have any weapons. So, he has some other guys stepping up. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, he's a guy you might want to pick up. Um, Frank Gore last week had 20 carries and that and to Kenyon Drake's four. So, he might be a guy you can grab off the waiver wire. Uh, there may be a healthy Darren Sproles coming soon. He may be someone you want to stash on your bench. But someone today that I think ha- now has a Hall of Fame quarterback that was signed is Des Bryant. He's on just about every waiver yeah. wire. I think he's on like 19% of rosters. Um, I would pick him up, put him on your bench, and, and see what happens because you may, may have potential to find a, a star receiver this late in the game to get ready for the playoffs. But – as far as this week goes, my, my quarterbacks I like, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he, he throws interceptions every week, but he puts up enough touchdowns to negate that. He, he keeps scoring 30-plus every time he plays, keep riding that train. I like Phillip Rivers against the Raiders. And this is one you, you probably wouldn't expect. I, I like Josh Rosen this week at quarterback at the Chiefs. I think he's coming off his best week he had. Last week, as a quarterback, he had two touchdown passes, like 220-some yards. The Chiefs' defense isn't all that great. Uh, I like Josh Rosen this week. At the running back spot, piggybacking right off that, David Johnson's had a so-so year. I I really like this matchup against the Chiefs' defense as well. Um, I like Nick Chubb against the Falcons. And then also, I like – Everyone likes Alvin Kamara every week, but I also like Mark Ingram against the Bengals. Their run defense isn't that great, and uh, I think he's due for a couple goal line touchdowns here. Moving over to wide receiver, I like Tyler Boyd of the Cincinnati Bengals against the Saints. The Saints' pasty isn't that great, and A.J. Green is out, so he'll he'll be the number one option. Um, I, I really like Tyler Boyd. I like Julian Edelman against the Titans. Uh, Jarvis Landry against the Falcons, and I love Deshaun Jackson against the Redskins this week. He he always seems to come to play against his former teams, and and the Redskins are a former team of his as well. I I love Jackson this week. Moving over to tight end, uh, O.J. Howard, he's a must-start. He's had four touchdowns in his last four games, like 17 catches. He's on fire. George Kittle's on fire as well. He'll be against the Giants. I would start him. And then at the kicker position, I, I thought about it after our show last week. I, I'm just cutting that right now. I'm done. I'm done midseason. I'm no longer <laughs> doing the kicker. I took it all to start one, sit one. I'm just out on the kicker altogether. So that's all that I got uh, for fantasy this week. I do. One guy I keep forgetting because he keeps crying on Facebook every week. Danny Bevins is – Seven and two in our fantasy bread and butter fantasy football league. So, oh, so there's your credit, Danny Bevins. But there's about I'm six and three, and there's two other guys that are seven and two. So you're not not all that great. And I'm gonna whoop your butt next week when I play you. There you go. That's what we all like right. to hear. All That's right, hey, let's get to our predictions, Chet. How did we do last week? What's our record? And uh, let's get on with it. Well, one of us did well, one of us did not so well, one of us was mediocre. Bill, thanks to your pick of the Steelers last weekend, you went 3-1, and one. very nice. I was 2-2, two and two. and Fred limped home with a 1-3 and three record. Sorry, Fred. So, for the season, it's now Bill alone at the top at 20-14. and 14. Way to go, Furman. I've moved into second place at 18-16, and 16, and Fred is back down to 500 at 17-17. and 17. Three games back of Bill. There you go. Woo, gap's widening. All right, let's do it. 
we yeah, this week we have Washington at Tampa Bay, Tampa minus three. The Giants, they stink, those New York football Giants. They're at San Francisco on Monday Night Football, the 49ers minus three. And the Cowboys, of course, are coming to the link on Sunday night to face the Eagles. Eagles minus six and a half. So let's get it going. Just three games. Washington at Tampa Bay, uh, Fred. Tampa minus three. Tampa minus three. The Redskins, uh, they've been holding up all year, but they're just way too banged up. Their their whole offensive line's out next week. The two starting guards and then the pro bowler, which is a Trent Williams, he's out. Um, D. Jackson's going up against his old team. but And so I, I don't even think this is going to be close due to the injuries. I think the – Tampa runs away with this. I got 27-13 Buccaneers. I agree. Bucks win this one pretty easily. D-Jax has a big game. Big game. He always seems to play better with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, too, than he does when uh, Winston's in there. So, yeah, I like this matchup a lot. Bucks will win it easily. Yeah, I'm with you, too. Bucks, Bucks are going to win, and I, I agree. Jackson and uh, Fitzpatrick certainly have a better chemistry. That Deshaun's not wanting to get traded uh, now that they made a quarterback move. Okay, how about the stinking New York football giants at San Francisco? Monday night football, minus three for 49ers. Yeah, both teams, both of them aren't really good. They they don't protect the uh, quarterback well. Both of them actually have given up exactly, I was looking today, exactly 31 sacks, both of them. Um, but they're kind of opposites in the sense the 49ers are young, rebuilding, they're fighting every week, where the giants have all these weapons and, a bad quarterback, a bad line, and they just they just look like there's turmoil going. I, I don't even I don't think you can even pick the Giants this week with with any like real I, I don't know how you could pick the Giants. So I'm taking the forty ers to win this at home, uh say twenty three fourteen. I don't think anybody's moving up or down in the standings this week because these games all look too easy to me. And the real question is how many times last year and this year has Bill said the Giants stink? It's got to be in the hundreds by now. <laughs> 49ers <laughs> win this game. 49ers. Well, it's true. not so fast, my friends. Uh-oh. I knew you Saquon were doing Barkley, this. Saquon Barkley is going to go off on Monday Uh-oh. Night Football. And the stinking Giants are actually going to win this game. Wow. It's a life for death. I knew you were setting that up, Bill. It's a life for No, they still stink. They still stink. No doubt about it, but I just feel like uh, Barkley is is really good, and I, I it's just it's a stage. It's Monday Night Football. Um, I, I look for Barkley to have a really good game, and the, the 49ers, I, I think you said, Fred, you know they're not very good either. So um, doesn't mean the Giants stink any less. I just think they're going to beat the 49ers. Wow, right. down. Giants stink. Yes. Cowboys-Eagles, Sunday night football, Lincoln Financial Field, Eagles minus six and a half. The the Eagles are at home. They're totally different defense at home, team at home. The Cowboys, they stink. (laughs) They're awful. I just – the only concern I have with this game is our offensive line and the Cowboys' defensive line because they can get to the quarterback and we're banged up there. So that could be a problem. But they also have Sean Lee out. And we now have Golden Tate, which should allow Carson to get the ball out faster because he, he has the ability to get open within two seconds. So um, I, I don't think it's going to be easy, as the spread says. I, I think the Eagles win this, but I think it's, it's a little bit closer through most of the game. I'll go Eagles win this 24-16. I can't wait for Sunday night. Look, the Eagles are far from a perfect team. There are the injuries. There's the uncertainty about the old line and the secondary but they're definitely better than the Cowboys. And the crowd is going to be awesome. You know that. A statement win for the Birds. I have them. Eagles 27, Cowboys 17. Well, I'm going to go Eagles too, but I'll tell you what. This is a little bit of a trap game in my mind. Eagles are Eagles are certainly better. Um, the, Gi- they're the, the Giants, they stink too. The Cowboys are not very good. They weren't very good last week. They did lose Sean Lee, as you said, who's their guy. Um I just hope the Eagles show up to play, and I'm excited to see how Golden or, yeah, Golden Tate does. I'm going 27-21 birds. I don't think it's going to be an easy one either. 27-21. All right, we'll take it. All right. So with that, Fred, 
we are finished up. We appreciate you coming by, and uh, let's do it again next week. Sounds good. Let's go, Birds. Big game. Go, yes, Birds. Sir. All right. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance on winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. Did you see what's posted today, Chet? A Carson Wentz Nick Foles Super Bowl full-size helmet, along with mm-hmm. Bobby Clark and Flyers LCB line jerseys. Great memorabilia. They continue to run out. Great autograph memorabilia from all the Phillies teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC. 118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC 118 Raz Room on Facebook. Yeah. There you go. Need to get in on that, Chet. I'm thinking about it. All right. Hey, Chet, the Flyers went on a West Coast road trip that could have doomed them for the season. They end up getting seven of eight possible points on the road. Now they need to keep that momentum going, and they got all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Goaltender moves. They got all kinds of things happening. Well, as you'll recall, I was ever so close to getting on a fire hackstall mode last week. I was almost in that state of mind. And then they had that surprising 3-0-1 road trip. Much needed, obviously. But, yeah, now they're coming back home. Next up is a Thursday night rematch with the Coyotes. It's the first of a five-game homestand, which is pretty rare. They have the Coyotes, the Blackhawks, the Panthers, Devils, and Lightning. So a good opportunity to get some wins, maybe move up in the standings. But at this point, I have no idea what to expect from this team. I really don't. No, and and I tell you what, they played. I actually watched three of those four games. I don't, I didn't get to see the latest one, the one that started like in the middle of the night sometime. But I did watch most of the others, and uh, they look like a whole different team. They came out and played really well. They they played much better defense as a team, which of course makes the goaltending better when you play better defense. So, uh, yeah, they played good, and and that Claude Giroux got a little hot again. Uh, Still averaging over a point a game. He's uh, he's doing his job. No, keep it up. Yep. Well, looking forward to it, and uh, I, you know, we have to see what these goaltenders do for you, Chet. Oh, I know that. That's always the concern. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, Chet. Hey, obviously, uh, you continue to line up great guests as we had Wills Chris Wheeler with us tonight. Tell us who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week. Well, we may have two guests next week, but we do have one for sure lined up. And with his visit, he will move into the lead as our first ever 11-time visitor to the show, not counting Fred or Farrell. Former Eagles special teamer, former post-game host, author, and all-around great guy, Kevin Riley, joins us live next week. Uh, You know how much I enjoy uh, having Kevin with us. He's always great, and uh, he's just a good man. Just a good man to talk to. Yes, he is. All right. Hey, Chad, got to hit you up on the Sixers. You know, I, I, I got to know what you think. 6-0 and at home, 0-5 on the road. They got blown out again by the Nets on the road after winning two in a row at home this week. What, what do you make of the inconsistent play from this bunch? Well, what I make of it is they are still a work in progress. There's only one guy playing better than he did a year ago, and that's Joel Embiid, who is a beast and an MVP candidate right now. Ben Simmons is still hesitant to shoot. Markel Fultz is up and down, as are J.J. and Rocco. And let's face it, Dario has been awful, just awful. He's one of my favorite players, too, Dario Saric. The good news, it's still early, and they will get better. I mean, last year they started off slowly. Heck, they were 25-25 and 25 in January, so they turned it on later in the season. But you can't count on that happening every year. So, like I said, a work in progress. And I want to see some real improvement, especially on these road games. I think they have won tonight, aren't they, in Indiana tonight? So this would yes. be a good time to get it started. Get going. Uh, do, you, do you see, I mean, I think last year, you know, we kind of looked at them and they, they snuck up on us a little bit, We cert- or a lot. We certainly expected them to be better, didn't expect them to get 52 wins. And now I would say for the most part, most people figure they're going to be somewhere in that 50-ish or more range. Uh, Were the expectations too high, do you think? No, I don't think so. I mean, when you win 52 games and LeBron James goes to the other conference, you're expected to get back there again to that level. And the sad thing is they didn't make the big acquisition they were hoping to in the offseason. They didn't get a LeBron or a Kawhi or any of the big names. 
they got you know Mike Muscala and a Wilson Chandler, and Chandler has been hurt pretty much until right now. Muscala was hurt; he played a couple of games. Now he's hurt again. So uh, it's going to be a while, but I do think they will be close to 50. I think I said 48. You said what, 45 or 46? Um, they'll make the playoffs, but I don't know that they're going to be more than a fourth seed this year. Yeah, it's, it'd be interesting. Hey, I did, did want to ask you about that rookie, Landry Shamat. He is, uh, you know, he was the 26th pick. He was the late pick in that first round. Uh, he's contributing, and he's playing He's playing pretty good ball for him the, the time that he's getting. Yeah, he's getting a lot of minutes, more minutes than our pal TJ. Um, and he's not afraid to shoot. Landry Shamat is not afraid to shoot the ball, so I guess that's a good thing. Um, he's got some potential. I like him. I like him. And uh, I want to see what Chandler has to offer. Now, I, is he coming back again? I know he was uh, supposed to come back last yeah. weekend, and then he, uh, I think, was active for the one game. I, I want to see what Wilson Chandler has to offer and how he's going to fit into this lineup and uh, the rotation. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. He, he is, Chandler is due back uh, maybe tonight. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But, you know, and, and you mentioned McConnell, uh, TJ. I think uh, he's basically played out. He's Unless there's an injury, I don't see him getting more than uh, uh, getting off the bench or getting his six or eight minutes is about all we're going to see from TJ McConnell. Yeah, you're right. And we've got to see some more from Fultz. One game he looks like he's you know got some real talent and could work out. Then the next night he stinks it up, and the shot looks horrible sometimes. So, boy, I don't know about that. Uh, uh, whether the shot's been fixed or not, I'm thinking maybe it wasn't. All right. Well, we'll certainly be talking more Sixers again next week, see how they do this week as they start out on the road. With that, Chad, a parting shot for you tonight, sir. Well, you know, I don't have a real parting shot, but once again, we missed a lot of crap, Bill. I don't know how it happens. We did a lot tonight, but we didn't get to some of this crap. Here we go. New Philly Sports Hall of Fame inductees last week included Brian Westbrook, Reggie Leach, Billy White Shoes, Johnson, Jamie Moyer, and, yes, Allen Iverson. Can't argue with any of those. WIP last weekend marked its 30th anniversary as a full-time sports station. Whether you love them or hate them, they're pretty darn successful in the competitive landscape, so congrats to Angelo and everyone else at WIP. A nice ceremony at Daisy Field in Roxborough last weekend. They renamed it David O. Montgomery Field. I've never heard anyone say a bad word about Dave Montgomery, so that's pretty cool. Cole Hamels was there for the ceremony. We lost the great slugger, number 44, Willie McCovey, last week. When you think of power hitters, he's pretty high up on the list. Rest in peace, Willie. And People Magazine the other day named actor... Idris Elba, the new sexiest man alive. I'm sure Bill Furman and I were strongly considered, but maybe next year for you and me, Bill. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we were. <laughs> hey, I just have a couple things to throw out there, Chet, that we missed. Uh, the Le'Veon Bell experiment. Sit out and collect your money. Not working out so well as James Conner is turning into a rookie pro bowler out there in Pittsburgh with five 100-plus yard games. Le'Veon, just a message. It might have to do with some of the guys up front. Hmm. The other thing, Chet, Joel Queenville, you know him? I've heard the name. Refresh my memory. Yeah. Hockey player. Hockey he player. won three Stanley Cups. Yes, hockey player. As the player. head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks in a 10-year period. Fired. Yeah. Fired with wow. three Cups in 10 seasons. It's a tough wow. business out there. Mm-hmm. Hard yes, to believe. But with that, Chet, uh, one final question for you on our way out. What's Chip Kelly's record? I don't know now. I, I've stopped keeping track after he won that first game, so I don't really care anymore. Yeah, I, I want to say he's 2-6 and six or something like okay. that. But I figured you might have that on the tip of his tongue and how many points he's given up. He's dead to me. <laughs> he's dead to me. All right. With that, we've reached the end of our hour. We'd like to thank our special guest, Chris Wheeler, Fred Hugo, our sponsors, Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Avoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chachesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November 14th at 7 p.m. on blocktalkradio.com slash Radio. You can also find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and Google Play Store. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, go Birds!
Thank you very much.